Hey guys, it's Gary Vaynerchuk, and this is the Gary V Audio Experience. Hey everybody, this is Gary Vaynerchuk, and this is episode 249 of the Ask Gary V Show. I am really pumped up because one of my favorite humans <laughs> is here with me today, Adam Braun, founder of Pencils of Promise, uh, a nonprofit that I am very deeply involved with. As a matter of fact, this is super fun. Don't give me a pat on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. I just took four shots today because yeah, I'm going to Ghana uh, in a couple weeks uh, to see some of the schools that we've been uh, uh, putting to work. Now so for a hundred in Ghana, so I'm, I'm very excited for you to see it. I want you to tell everybody about your work and that world a little bit on that and then what you're up to in a minute, but I will first want to say what's up to everybody. Thanks so much for everybody who's been watching the content. Uh, the, uh, what, did, what do we name it? Fuck them, send them to me. For all the haters. Oh, you guys changed it? These guys fucked it up, but it should have been called Fuck Them, Send Them To Me. Let's link that up in this episode. If you haven't watched this video, what are we going to, five million reach on that? Yeah. Cool, so check that out. But before we talk Knicks and Jets and how the first time we met, Mark Sanchez walked into the restaurant. Before we go into all that, why don't you tell the people that are watching right now what you're up to now and then we'll bounce back. Because what you're up to now scratches an itch that is very deep in my soul. Yeah, Um, so right now uh, I'm focused as uh, co-founder and CEO of Mission U. Uh, Mission U is a college alternative for the 21st century. So uh, we prepare students for the jobs of today and tomorrow debt-free. We think at our core that the current college landscape is fundamentally broken, that students are leaving school without the actual skills needed to succeed in their careers and in the workforce. And even if they uh, do get a degree, they're left with absolutely crushing, crippling debt. When I met my wife, she had uh, over $100,000 of student debt without getting that bachelor's degree. And so we're building a one-year college alternative for the 21st century. You pay no money at all up front. Uh, we invest in you for a full year, and at the end of Wait, that year... Goose egg? Yeah, zero. 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 Benoit Benjamin. Correct. Yeah. Like you pay yeah. zero. Yeah, yeah. Keep zero. going. Um, and then once you complete uh, your year at Michigan... But it's hard to get in, right? Yeah, I mean, we've had... Like, you wouldn't take Jake. Jake would apply, <laughs> and you'd be like, we're not going to make any return on him, so well, he's out. Well, here's one thing that I Go think ahead. you in particular will love. Uh, we don't look at SAT, we don't look at GPA, and you don't have to have a high school degree to get Huge. into Mission U. Yeah. Because none of those things actually matter or are clear indicators of whether somebody's going to be a great contributor to a great company. So um, oh, when okay. you get a well-paying job uh, in making $50,000 or more, you contribute 15% of your income back to Mission U for three years, and that enables us to extend that opportunity onto the next student. So uh, we launched Mission Did you guys U hear that? Officially. Like, think about this business model. It's completely yeah. aligned. I might apply. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, so, might, you shouldn't. I mean, we're, we're Because you're crushing it. But like, I mean, I, I, yeah. or maybe you should. Like, it's really interesting, right? So yeah. basically, people apply. It's a one-year thing. Yep. But you're contractually obligated to give 15% of your salary once you make over 50K. Correct, but only if you actually get there. Right, so are people gonna be crafty and ask for like 49? I think there's some people that are probably, especially in like the startup world, they're gonna look for 49. The thing is, you have an opportunity to defer, and so let's say that you complete the program and then you don't get a job that pays you $50,000 or more, that's used as part of your deferment. Does the model work, so as you can imagine, being on the board of Pencil Province for the last four years or so, I've gotten to know Adam super well, so he goes, hey, I'm going into for-profit, part of my life, we spent a lot of time jamming yep. about that, so I was very close to it. And then he's like, I got an idea, I got an idea. I think I was in a cab and it was raining and you're like, here's the idea, I'm like, I'm in. Yeah. I'm investing you're, you're, in this. You were literally the first person I told about I, And so, 
I love this thesis. A lot of you who watch my stuff know why I love this thesis. Let me ask you a question of something I don't know because I was so blindly in, I didn't look at every T and every I. If Tyler did it, mm-hmm. he makes 42K in his first job, mm-hmm. but he gets promoted and makes 63, does he then go on the clock? Yeah. Got it, so yep. that's how it works. Yep. So basically, don't collect debt. We're gonna teach you the right skills. You signed up a bunch of companies that are hiring the people out of this. Yeah, so our employer partners commit to three things. The first is they advise us on the curriculum so that we're actually teaching you the skills and you know software and tools and whatever else that companies are actually interested in that are leaders of industry and so the whole industry tends to be interested in those spaces. The second is they help us develop things like case studies or you know chime in and do Skype chats and you get exposure to great leaders of great companies. And then the third part is we give them early uh, preferred access to to hire our top grads. So, you know, very few companies in the world are gonna guarantee spots. You have to earn your own way, but you're gonna have an on-ramp, you know, just as strong, if not stronger, than if you got a traditional bachelor degree. And right now, our employer partners are companies like Spotify, Lyft, Uber, Warby Parker, Casper, uh, Harry's, Bonobos, Birchbox, VaynerMedia, um, a handful of others. So, you know, some of the best companies in the world that almost every person I speak to would do anything to work at. These are the exact companies that are helping us design an experience that is a perfect on-ramp for the talent that they're looking for. So when's the first class? So uh, we opened up admissions okay. exactly about a month ago. How's it going? Um, so we have 25 spots for our September cohort. We've had just about 3,000 applicants so far for the first 25 spots in the first month. So this is going to be like a lot of disappointed people. Um, well, what we're now thinking is that we need to launch more cohorts and more quickly. So we're But I know you well enough and I've January. watched you build other things. You're, yeah. you're gonna do it, you're not gonna go crazy, right? You're, like, you're gonna be smart about no, this. No, I mean, if we stopped our admissions process right now, today, which we're not doing, um, we would still have less than a 1% acceptance rate and that would make us more selective than Harvard and Stanford combined. So um, you know, we're gonna be a selective institution, but we don't look at the things that traditional academia usually values. What we look for in our admissions process is character traits like you know, ambition, resilience, grit, are you self-directed, are you a motivated learner, and then the soft skills like do you work well in teams, do you um, communicate ideas effectively. So now, it's you've, totally you've, different. you've built a, uh, an onboarding process that gives you insight mm-hmm. to that. Are you guys also then interviewing people after? Like, what, what's your process? So, How are you gonna get to this 25? Yeah, so I'm not gonna get a weird text that says, can you talk to Sally on the phone? <laughs> no, no, don't worry about oh, it. God. I, will I, mean, ask I you, wasn't sure what I was I will ask you to actually address the students, though. Yeah, so I'm, gonna give the, I'm gonna give the first 13 commencement speeches. Yeah. So, so Gary Zinn is our uh, <laughs> commencement speaker for it. the next 13 classes. You, you heard it here first. <laughs> Um, so, uh, four-step admissions process. First step is called tell us about yourself. So, you know, just share who and what you are, your background, you know, um, what your kind of aspirations are. Second step is an admissions challenge. Um, it's open book, so you can use the internet. We actually encourage you to use Google. It's untimed. You can use anything except for another human because that's how the working world actually works. It makes sure. no sense that you take a test in a vacuum. Sure. Um, and then those who do it well there, they advance to a group challenge. The group challenge is probably the most interesting part. Uh, you enter a live virtual classroom, uh, you get a prompt. So one that we're using is like, uh, self-driving vehicles are coming to our society. Will they have a positive or a negative impact on our culture and why? And you spend 35 minutes as a group creating a presentation that you give for the last 10 minutes to one of our staff. And we record the whole thing and we go back and we watch that tape. And then the final step is a personal interview with myself or another member of the leadership team. I love it, man. Yeah. You enjoying it? I'm loving it right now. It's, it's so How long were you running Pencils of Promise? Uh, so I founded Pencils of Promise October 2008, 
And then, you know, I was on board until, in an active capacity until the very end of 2015. So probably seven years, and now I'm obviously founder and board emeritus. I was actually almost gonna stop by the office today, and then I got pulled away for a second. But, I, I mean, I'm probably on a pencil promise email, uh, I would say every single day. Um, but it's nice that we have a great CEO that's leading the organization day to day. And how, and how does it feel to like be in the startup world? You're living in San Francisco. Yeah. So you're in that bubble. Yeah. Like, has it been an interesting transition? You know, what I'm fascinated by you is you're the future in, of philanthropy in my opinion, which is I grew up in a mindset and until I met you and Scott Harrison and some others of like, oh, I'll do my thing and then when I'm old, mm-hmm. then I'll start giving away and giving back. Mm-hmm. I've changed that mindset obviously, but even founders mm-hmm. were never as young as you. Mm-hmm. You know, Usually it was a different profile. Yeah. It wasn't a type A winner starting right. these kind of things. Yeah. Um, so I've been very fascinated about you re-entering the world yeah. as a young man right. off a decade of that. Yeah. Yeah. How's it been? Um, I mean, it's probably one of the most roller coaster-ish periods of my life. Partially because also, you know, Gary knows this very well, but my wife gave birth to twins five months ago. <laughs> Literally today, they're five months old. And so I have like three things that just entered my life that sure. I'm trying to give my all to. Um, but I mean, I couldn't be more grateful or happy that, it, first of all, I found something much like Pencils of Promise that lived at the intersection of where I feel like my personal purpose exists as well as it gives me an opportunity to create a living that I can support my family and the things and causes that I believe in most. Um, you know, it's, it's also like, I'm not a first time entrepreneur anymore. Sure. And you know, if it depends on promise, you, you were in those board meetings with me. I mean, they weren't always easy, but managing a 12 person board for years, you know, by the time um, I replaced myself at Pencil Promise, we had over 100 full-time staff in five countries. We've now built more than 400 schools, you know, raised well, well over $40 million. And so, it's fun to go back to the building stage. I yeah. mean, that's what I missed. I, I missed the ability to take an idea when you see something wrong with the world and you have a different kind of vision for where it can go that nobody else necessarily sees. I mean, telling people two years ago that I wanted to build a college alternative for the 21st century was like, outside of you and a couple <laughs> of our friends, it was crazy. Yeah. Um, now, I was like, yes, pot committed. Yeah. I mean, I think five years from now, we're gonna look back and be like, of course, you know, college is so ridiculously overpriced. It's not succeeding for the students that are looking to But that's the world job. we live in, right? Like, yeah. like, like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if you could press a button on your iPhone and a black car will pick, you're gonna right. jump into people's cars. Yeah. Like telling people 10 years ago, you're gonna go into strangers' cars. Like, we, like parents of high school kids are forcing kids mm-hmm. if, of wealth yeah. to have Uber accounts instead of driving right. Right. because yeah. they don't want them drunk driving. So they're telling their 15 year old daughter to get into a stranger's car. Mm. Yeah, that's, Like think that's about crazy. me saying that 10 years ago. Yeah, just, I mean it didn't exist. Um, but I mean, I would say overall, the difference between New York and San Francisco is massive. Yes. And all of last year. New York's year, much better. It's, I would agree. As a city, <laughs> San Francisco doesn't hold a candle. In terms of- San Francisco, you, you suck. That said, if you yeah. live just outside of the city, SF is unbelievable. No. It, it is unbelievable just outside. So, Real quick, I apologize. Yeah. Facebook, start putting your phone numbers in. If you want to talk about startup culture, philanthropy, uh, clearly college or alternatives, startup, you want to talk to me, you want to talk about the Jets, we have yeah. a lot of Jets and Knicks, we can do that. All uh, so any competition, I think yeah, our, our, yeah. the bronze and Vaynerchuk's definitely share that. So yeah. anything you want to uh, talk about, putting your numbers, Andy, you got numbers? Let's get the first one going. What else, while we get the first question going, what else do you want the masses to know about Mission U, yeah. you raising twins, what else, what else you got to say? Um, I think one thing that's kind of 
interesting about us is where we're focused. So right now we have one major. The, the front half of the year is what we call foundation and discovery, a combination of hard and soft skills. The back half of the year is on your major. And right now the major that we're focused on is data analytics, which is like this exploding industry. So boot camps tend to focus on coding and software sure. engineering. That's not our focus. We're on data analytics. And these are really well-paying jobs. You don't have to have a college degree. Um, and Nick, uh, hold on. Adam's still that. talking. So, anyway, I'm we, kidding. We can I'm kidding. Nick, it's Gary Vee. You're on the Ask Gary Vee Show with Adam Braun. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys? Super well. Right. What's your question? Um, so my question, uh, the one I posted was, so in terms of you know utilizing kind of a combo of the two things that I feel like you two are both really well known for, um, taking attention, you know, using social media, you know, the kind of the twin term for just you know where we all live nowadays. How would you guys utilize that? What are your thoughts on utilizing that for creating educational experiences? You know, basically using those platforms to teach people, if that makes any sense, creating like learning environments. So is the question like, what, how would we think about creating curriculum on top of social in, in, a, way, in a way of like whatever Khan Academy or, or all these other platforms have done, collective, things of that nature, What's our opinion on layering that on top of social itself? That's, that's exactly what I'm saying. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? I mean, I can, you know, no, ask I got you. more specific question. Yeah, I think the thing that excites me most is the opportunity that every single individual can both be a teacher and a student. Uh, historically, you, you almost had to have some type of rote qualification, right? You had to kind of get a PhD in order to be the sage on the stage. And I think, you know, what Gary has demonstrated probably better than anybody else in the world is that you can use social and building an audience through education. I mean, you know, your content for some people is voyeuristic. Like they just love to watch your life. But I think the main reason that people love to watch your life is they feel like they're learning something and then they're taking that and applying it to their own journey. And, and I think that you know, many, many people are gonna benefit from that in the future um, as more and more platforms, not only just that enable the social layer, but focus on specific niche areas within education emerge. Here's what I would say to this. I would say that the internet is the middleman, right? Like what we're seeing, what we're living through with Amazon and, and OTT and Netflix and Uber and on and on and on, Airbnb, the internet is the infrastructure. And I think people are struggling to understand that. When, back to your point, using terminology, I believe, when the, when the five to seven social networks or content hubs, because you know, people call YouTube a social network now, even though it's not, for say, um, that's the layer on top of the internet that's current. So I would say that your intuition or what you might be thinking about as a startup or where's the opportunity, of course, like, I mean, it's the communication hub of our society. In essence, blog posts, video content, these are seminars or books or, or passages. So I think there's a lot of opportunity. I would say the one thing that people have to keep in mind is when you're building on, some, on top of something else, you're vulnerable to that something else. Mm-hmm. So if you're building on top right. of Facebook or Instagram, you have to figure out how to get as much value out of it that it gets out of you, right? I was with a media mogul just now, and he was like, he was smart, he's young. Uh, he, he was smart, he, he realizes he has to get the value out of Facebook and Instagram that it gets out of him. And so I would say if you can figure out how to get the value out of it, um, then you're fine. For example, look at my content. If I wanted to charge 
Like, I get 50 emails a day. Like, Gary, you need to charge $4.99 mm-hmm. for Daily V a week or whatever. I'll pay 10 bucks. You know, people say this all the time. If I wanted to charge, I wouldn't be as comfortable building on top of Facebook and Instagram because there's no infrastructure for that, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to pay the huge toll booth to Apple that is, you know, 30 cents on the dollar either. Yeah. So I would go direct. But I think what you need to do is figure out how to get value out of it. And I would say to anybody who's starting out something early, in the beginning you get much more value because you're building brand and awareness and attention and then if you're looking to monetize then you can start moving it off. Yeah, I agree. Cool, thanks bro. Okay. Hey, thanks guys. Oh, sorry. All right, go ahead Ann. So you were finishing a thought when we did the call. So data analytics is the place you decided to attack first. Yeah, I mean we spoke to literally dozens and dozens and dozens of companies, hundreds of people there on the front lines of hiring and this space of data analytics, I mean, an um, article just came out, somebody sent me, I think it was maybe last week, uh, with an interview with Eric Schmidt at Google, and the headline is, this is the most important skill of the 21st century, and it's basically taking data, and being able to use that to tell a story to make a business decision, and it lives in every function of a business, and we have a huge shortage predicted uh, in the years ahead, and so that's, that's where we're starting. My entire career has been predicated on my intuition, and then working backwards, but what's far more scalable is to actually look at the data and make those, and people who can analyze the data. It makes a lot of sense. So is that the concept? Are you guys gonna continue to create majors that you think map to under, uh, under-serviced by the market? Uh, yeah, I mean, another one I'm interested in is like in the health space, nursing, for example. I mean, the amount of open jobs in nursing is massive. Hey, it's Gary Vaynerchuk. You're on the Ask Gary V Show with Adam Braun. How are you? I'm doing good, how are you all? We're doing super well, what's your name? I'm Janae Adams. Hey Janae. And uh, my question for him, um, as someone who speaks on college camps around the country, trying to help students get out of student loan debt, his story about this new, um, I think it's Mission Youth, yep. caught my eye over the last week. Um, and definitely, I know that it's just for tech currently, but how are you going to be able to shift it in the future to maybe cover other um, majors that are available and would it work with corporate, corporate America? Yeah. Um, it's awesome that you said nursing right before I mean, she got it. it's a great question. Go ahead. We're literally just kind of diving into this. I mean, you know, our, our goal is, again, to build a college alternative for the 21st century. That means multiple majors serving multiple different areas. The most popular undergraduate major in the country right now is business. But... I'm sure many of us have met people who graduate with a business degree and still have no clue about how to actually contribute to a company. And so that's why our our first focus is on data analytics and business intelligence. But as I was just saying to Gary, um, you know, a a real area of personal interest for me is nursing. Uh, We have literally millions of jobs that are about to become available as we have an aging baby boomer population. The current population of nurses are heavily retiring. Uh, there's a lot of different jobs that are going to merge within just the health space in general that uh, I don't think traditional education is going to prepare people for. And then when it comes to actually the corporate America side, this is already happening whether Mission U existed or not. So PricewaterhouseCoopers, Ernst & Young, two of the uh-huh. biggest accounting firms in the country in the last 18 months have removed the bachelor degree requirement. Uh, in order to get a job at their company. Obviously, Google's done it in the tech space, but you look at like industries as old as publishing, Penguin Books, one of the largest publishers, also removed the bachelor's degree. So I think we're gonna see a really large movement, especially as millennials in the next five to eight years become the dominant hiring 
uh, component of our workforce because so many, you know, I'm a millennial, I'm at the top end, but so many of us recognize that whether somebody got a degree or not is actually not all that important. It's much more about, you know, where they got into school is a helpful sorting mechanism, but it's only one data point, how they present in the room, you know, what their references are, what their previous work experience, to things like internship, all of that, I think is gonna increasingly matter much, much more than their transcript or their major or their GPA. Because I can tell you, you know, in my entire career, I don't think I've ever looked at somebody's transcript, not once. Yeah, and that's why I try to tell the students. Um, I have my own company, Debt Sucks University, and <laughs> like even Gary has truly like helped me talk to the students in a different way to make sure that they're ready. And I've turned them on to so many people, and I just want to turn on the higher ed community to you um, because it's just it's um, interruption, just like he was talking about with Uber and so forth. And I just think higher ed needs to really get ready before Uber does it the same way they get the taxi. I think, I think you're exact, I mean look, they are so stunningly vulnerable because I think what yeah. Adam said is so right. People are like, oh millennials are coming and this, this has already happened. You have, you have people yeah. in their early 30s that are achieving and becoming leaders of our world who look at the world completely differently and they're gonna be the judge and the jury and so Samantha, 32 years old, who knows that her emotional intelligence, I mean I am, I didn't think Adam was gonna be that great because he did go to Brown instead of the reverse. Like I actually prejudge people in reverse and that's gonna become far more common and to your question, the corporations, you know, when you look, when you look at, if you're a 15 year old right now and you think about it's three, seven years from now, when you understand, first of all, the corporations of seven years from now look a lot more like Warby Parker and Casper. Whether those companies win or not after there's an economic downside, I don't know. That model is definitely gonna win. Yeah. So, and what I mean by that model, I mean newer businesses that are gonna be worth four, 10, 15, 100 billion dollars, like they're coming and their DNA is so different yeah. and they're gonna be yeah. the decision makers and, and so I think you're barking up the right tree. I'm glad that it's caught your attention and you know, what I'm most excited about, I would tell you besides the fact that I, I genuinely love this human being, I'm just excited about the legacy of being involved in it because I know there's gonna be more things that look like it. Oh yeah. I know you're gonna build the biggest one, at least it's yeah. very important to me that you accomplish me too. that. Me too. Uh, but <laughs> but <laughs> I think we, this, we is this is coming, this is coming, this is coming. So and thank thanks you for, for the call. work you do as well. Thank you so much. It's something that I love. I'm actually speaking on campus tonight and I'm gonna go in there and show them the threats that are against them Play, and play, just, just, so, uh, so yeah. if you can go to Mission U, just the letter U.com, and there's a video on the homepage. Just play in that video. I think it'll accomplish what you're what you're seeking. And tell them to become Jets fans. Yeah, that's key. That's okay. important to us. I tell them to become Gary B fans. Well, that, <laughs> I'll take the Jets even more so. Anyway, thank you. Take care. Very sweet. All right, let's keep it going. So look, I mean, this is really out there, huh? Like oh, when yeah. you when you went out there and you've been doing a bunch of podcasts and getting yeah. some awareness and obviously and all that have. Have you been overwhelmed? Was it, have you been underwhelmed? Has it come from a different angle? What's been the biggest surprise of the reaction? Yeah, I think the biggest surprise for me is, you know, the last eight years focusing on Pencils of Promise, people were curious. That was the reaction. Like, I'd explain, you know, I started this organization, we're building schools around the developing world. People were like, oh, how do you train teachers? Or how do you pick your communities? There was curiosity. When I talk to people about the state of higher education in this country, there is a visceral reaction. And everybody knows that it's broken. It's coming. And everybody knows somebody has been hurt by it, and so people are psyched. Kyle, it's Gary Vaynerchuk. You're on the Ask Gary V Show with Adam Braun. How are you? Dude, holy shit, I'm amazing, how are you? I'm doing amazing, where are you from? Uh, Dallas, Texas. I love it, my man, what's your question? 
All right, man, my question is, how do you go about learning how to delegate? I've gotten to the point now with my business that I'm needing help, and I end up just doing everything myself, and I end up just paying people uh, basically just to watch me do the work that I want them to do. What do you do? Um, I'm in real estate. And what do you want them to do? Like run open houses or cold call, or what are they supposed to be doing that you're doing? I mean, really a little bit of everything. I really, the main thing that I do is advertising and branding uh, for myself. Um, so for them, it's more of just taking care of leads, um, locking down leads, you know, uh, getting uh, things scheduled on um, the calendar. Got it. So you're the top of the uh, funnel, and you want them to see it through underneath you. Yes, sir. Got it. And who have you been hiring? Uh, I mean, honestly, I think it might be my issue. I've been going for people that I just know. Um, Which I'm not against. Really you know, listen, I'll be honest with you, Kyle. I, I, Kyle, it's Kyle. It's honestly, I'm a big fan of that. Believe it or not, especially yeah, in the early my, days. I mean, that's your MO. That's my MO. I feel like I hang out with Gary's crew and it's like all of his buddies. Back yeah, I know this kid's, I'm, it's, I, I'm a well, big. That's what I try and do. I try and give the same opportunity, you know, that's been given to me to my, my boys. You know Here, what I mean? Here's the one thing though. I didn't hire a single one of my college friends. Okay. Like I don't hire friends, personally. But you, but you had like Michael White, like you. you I, you, I get you're, people involved, mm-hmm. but it's, I think at this stage in my life, I certainly can. When I was in my call it early to mid twenties, and I was building something, yeah. it was hard for me as a leader to demand Got the it. level of excellence that I wanted without it kind of hurting the relationship. And so I just stayed away from it. Now I would probably not have as big of an issue. But Kyle, let me tell you what the biggest thing you need to figure out is: you, okay. whether it's your friends or people like you, you have to hire people that are obsessed with logistics and are type A personalities. Mm-hmm. You have to hire people that love the shit that you and I hate. Like the biggest joke. I I mean, I feel you on that. Like you need to find somebody who just loves Excel and loves being in their calendar and freaks out when you're a minute late. And like you need cross your T's and dot your I's. I'm sitting with Adam and asking him about details of Mission U right now with you because I don't do that. You need to hire people that do do that because you're just hiring homies or people that look the part of you, but that's not what you need. If you're the quarterback, you need to hire offensive linemen. They look different. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the other thing I would say is, you know, the start of my career, I was probably very much the way that you were. I was the person who needed to do everything myself because I believed I could do it better mm-hmm. than anybody else on my team. Then I spent three years at Bain, which is arguably the top kind of culture in, in the world for a corporate company. And what I saw there was uh, that they spend an insane amount of time training people below them to do the job that they're doing today so they can focus on the next higher level issue. And so my biggest piece of advice to you is you should look at how you're spending your time and it might feel really strange and really awkward, but you should actually delegate, let's say in the next two weeks, call it 50%. Maybe all all of your time. All, it's two weeks. Sure, teaching the people that you are delegating to to do all of your exact responsibilities, literally to the point where they can do it as well, if not better than you can, and then it will free up your time. Because at the end of the day, delegation is a matter of trust. And right now, you're not trusting these people, and that's because you haven't invested in them. Or because they're losers. How do you go about showing someone the vision? You know, for me, it's easy to see, because it's my vision. Well, if if you don't, you get rid of people that don't buy into your vision. If these are your boys and they don't see your vision, that should be real fast. 
Okay. Like they're either bought, it's binary, brother. Either they're bought in that you're gonna be the biggest fucking real estate mogul in fucking Texas, America, the world, the universe, or they don't. And if they're just there to collect the paycheck and it's kind of easy because you don't make them work hard, you've got a problem and you need to cut that cancer out. Okay. I mean, I mean that's it, man. Right? Like, what do you like? What do you mean? Like, I don't try to convince anybody about my vision. I'll give you my fucking vision one time, and if you're not bought in, fuck you. No, no, yeah, fuck, fuck yeah, dude. I mean, I appreciate that. I really do. Yeah, I mean, and Um, and let me tell you another thing. Let me tell you another. Well, but that's not how. That's how you look at it, but that's not how you're acting on it. Okay. You you notice if you've been watching my content, you notice how I say I never try to sell anybody. Like, I'll try to sell you one time, but if you're not in, you're out. Like, it's fine. By the way, I have hundreds of employees at VaynerMedia that are not fully bought in. You need them, it's fine, but I don't dwell on it. I'm not emotional about it. Like, it doesn't mean anything to me. I'm on my mission, and so you need to just, if, 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 if they're literally your homies or acquaintances, they, the reason I build companies with friends and family is because they are automatically yeah. bought in usually. Mm-hmm. If they're not, man, they're just taking advantage of you slash, you need to check your ego at the door. You're right, it's about trust. I love the fact that I know every single person here either is doing a job that I can't do, but if they're doing my job, right? Like, so the PR team, the new business team, Andy's job, those are shitty jobs because those are things that I could do, but I know if they're doing it as an 8.3 to my 10 or a 6.7 to my 10, I can't do everything. And, and I'll tell you, the greatest feeling in the world is when you have a team around you that takes all of those responsibilities off your plate and allows you to focus on the thing that you can do exceptionally well that they can't. But right now, you're and trying to do too many things. I want the team, man. It's like I've been doing everything on my, my own for like five, six years. Then you're not surrounded by the right people. I wanted, I, and that's, I mean, that's what I've been thinking. That's, I mean, when or, I you guys or, money, I was like, or, 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 let's do some basic or, math. Let's say there's four things you do and you think you do them better than anybody and let's award you 10 full points, right? You're getting 40 points. Problem is there's 87 things that need to be done. Do this math. If everybody else is doing a two or three but you're getting all 87 things done, the net score is greater. People are crippled by perfection or doing everything right. I think the thing that I've always done really well is you just keep moving forward. You just keep moving forward. Nothing's ever gonna be perfect. So it's one of two things. Either your homie sucks shit or you suck shit and you like the ego boost that you're better at it than your average below average friends which means you'll never be that big. You've gotta figure out which one it is. And it's probably a little bit of both. You know what I mean? It always is a little bit of both. I I would agree for sure. That's it man. I would definitely agree. So just increase my action and bring more people involved and just let it happen. And figure out, are you holding it back because it makes you feel good that you're a better salesperson? The amount of people I watch that build one and two million dollar businesses because they get off on being the best at all these little things, it happens every day. And I'm always like, okay, that player is gonna be an average player because they don't realize. Notice how I always talk about sucking shit at everything and I suck at this and this. Like, you have to take pride in your shortcomings because then you start acknowledging them and then, you know, everybody's fronting that they're so awesome at everything. I suck at almost everything, yet I'm winning because I surround myself with people that know what they're doing in that world. I can't edit videos like these characters. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's the problem I have is that I see what, I, see, I personally feel like I see the potential in the people that I bring on and I just can't get them to actually see it or at least tap into it on themselves. Yeah, but if you see it and they're not bringing it to fruition in a very short period of time, then those aren't the right people to help you build your business. Yeah, you might also suck at motivating people, bro. 
Okay. Like, th- like that's a real part of the uh, equation. Like, me, yeah, you know, like we have to, we have to understand these variables. This is for everybody, right? I, I have no idea. Like, it, it could literally be that they're they're milking you and they don't want to do anything, and you're the homie that's kind of dragging everybody up. That could be the case. But I would also say maybe your management style and leadership style is making them go in reverse because maybe when you're when you should be using honey, you're using vinegar, and when you should be using vinegar, you're using honey. It could be an indication on you. Okay. I, and I don't well, know, I right? I definitely know that I, I know that I suck at like I, I want to work with people. I don't want people to work for me. Okay. And and that's that's a big thing for me personally. And I think that at the same time, I, I I'm to a fault with that because I don't want to be someone's boss. I want to, you know, I just want to be. Does that make sense? Hell yeah, it does. To work with hell, me. hell, it does. It big so, time. Yeah, I mean. But I think you, you, I think a lot that, of these people you that kinda... I bring on, they almost want a boss without knowing it. Dude, everybody wants a boss if they go work somewhere. Yeah. If you go work somewhere, you're looking for a leader. Yeah. I would say you need to step into that role and not try and be every person's friend. And in fact, there's also a big difference between a boss and a leader. People are looking for a leader. Mm-hmm. That's what they need you to be. Not a boss. They need That's you to be what a I want to be. How old are you? I really do. I'm 22. Good, man. You're a baby. You're like... like you're a real fucking baby, right? So like you got plenty of time to mold into this. The fact that you're aware about this, the fact that you're watching this, the fact yeah. that we're talking about this, and you got time, man. I wouldn't, I wouldn't cripple yourself. You were literally a child. Like, like you're 22 years old. You got a lot of time. Listen, at 22, I was not able to give critical feedback right. to my employees. Yeah. I, I wasn't mean, good at it. Hearing that you're mm-hmm. 22 changes the equation for me. I mean, I was 24 when I started Pencils of Promise. It was my friends that were around me helping me throw these parties, raise money, and I could never order them around and you know I just didn't have the call it self confidence as as a you know leader of the organization I was always grateful all those things but at the end of the day it becomes very clear where the talent rises and the cream really does rise to the top once you set a clear vision and then you start holding people accountable to real results so and you might I mean, have I wish you luck man. I mean Adam had snobby friends like Brad H you know who could never <laughs> take feedback so like you got you got to be careful with who you surround yourself with Brad I love you Kyle good luck be patient Here's what I would say. Let me give you one real tangible thing. Go have your first ever negative conversation with one of your employees. Just go taste it. Just go in there, sit down Rick and be like, Rick, listen to me. We've been friends since Little League in fourth grade. I love you. You're the best. You saved me from drowning in the river in ninth grade. (laughs) But here's the problem. You suck. So either you get your shit together or I have to fire you. All right, man. I I really appreciate you taking the call and Kyle, all the advice, man. Really don't, do. don't jump off real quick. You've got to promise to me that you're going to go have that conversation. No, I, I literally am. i got to meet with a couple of my guys tonight, so we're going to have to talk. Like, re, re, now, when you said a couple of your guys, if you're going to have that conversation, make sure you have it one-on-one. one-on-one. Yeah. Don't start lumping people in, okay? Yeah, one-on-one. because when you start okay. lumping, somebody's feelings get hurt. It can get confusing. Let me tell you what losing players do. If they're both sitting there, I'd be like, Oh, it's Adam who screwed up. He's just right. bringing me here to make it more palpable. Yeah. Like you've got to, you've got to do that one on one, okay? And you re- listen All to right. me. You really have to go there. Mm-hmm. And and start the conversation by framing it up as I want to talk to you to get feedback. And right then and there, that's going to set the tone. This isn't like a friendly, normal conversation. This is about getting that feedback, having that tough conversation that you need. And 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 and, and 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 just say, listen, I love you, but yeah. make this a but conversation. Be like, listen, we're homies for life, but you know, you're lazy as fuck, asshole. No, yeah, I, I, honestly, everything you're telling me, I feel like I already know. I just haven't had the 
I know, I, I know you know, you don't have the balls to do Better it yet because most people don't and the reason I'm not letting you get off the phone is usually people need this kind of pep talk and I'm worried that I haven't put enough energy into you and that in the next four hours it's gonna go away and then you're gonna shit the bed. So the reason I'm keeping you on the phone is I'm trying to give you the audacity to actually get this done because the first time you do it, remember how scared you were to kiss a girl? Oh yeah. Remember how after you did it you weren't scared anymore? Yeah, immediately. You need to go have this Scared negative. For no reason. You need to have go. You need to go have this negative conversation. It will no, change yeah, the course of your career. I appreciate it. I really do. I mean, I'm I'm uh, I'm actually opening up the Austin market in about a week, so I gotta I gotta do this now, and that's why I gave you I asked for the question, and I've literally been sitting in Walmart just hoping that you guys would call me. So Andy K saved your day in Walmart. I love it. Love you, bro. Hi man. See you. Good appreciate night. it, dude. You got it. Take care. It's cool. Colin's fun, it's right? Yeah, that's great. And Remember listening to Mike? We're like, we're like Mike and the Mad Dog. Oh, yeah. Who are you? You're more Mike? I'm like, am I Mad Dog? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. All right, fine. Um, I think in the, amongst the two of us, you definitely are <laughs> Mike! Um, so, that was interesting. That was great. I mean, I, the, the whole thing shifted for me when he said he was 20. Yeah, and I could tell the voice. I was like, Hello? he's young. Yo, it's Gary Vee. You're an Ask Gary Vee show with Adam Braun. What's your name? You gotta be kidding me, man. Not joking. <laughs> Yo, my name is CJ Reynolds. I teach in West Philadelphia. Born and raised? <laughs> I, you know, on playgrounds. I, <laughs> I love it, CJ. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great, man. I'm sitting here watching your feed and I'm waiting for the next question to be done so I could know if you were going to call. Well, oh, guess what? You won. Kids are coming in the room to ask me for something real quick. All right. Give me 10 seconds. You got guys. it. I'll be right with you. 10, um, 9. So here's my question. Eight. Okay. Uh, oh, wow. I have students. Um, that I teach in West Philadelphia, I teach at all boys school, and we're talking like inner city Philadelphia, and um, you know, I'm gonna show them this feed, and what I would love to show them is you giving them some advice as to what to do after high school if they don't want to go to college, um, because coming from me, it's like- Yeah, you're a teacher, you're a teacher. Over and over and over again. Yeah. I'm a teacher, I teach ninth, I teach ninth grade literature. I actually, um, I hit you up on Twitter a while ago, when you were looking for a school Oh, schools to, to come. I actually, yep, yep. Do we yeah, have yeah, one, so right? I was going back Not and forth with Alex. Go ahead, okay. So, so what could you speak to, to my students to kind of give them something to, you know, that they're not just hearing me, but they're, they know who you are. We watch your videos in class. Um, they keep a- asking me, like, they're like, uh, you know, like, so like, I, I'm always giving them your information and, and telling them what, what I think you would say, but I would love for you to speak to them directly if you could. I could, now like give me, help me a little bit here because the truth is, let's start from the top and I'm talking to the class now and you can clip this. We'll even send you a clip. Yeah. Got it Tyler, we'll send you, you we'll send you this clip. First of all, how many are there? I have, uh, this graduating class is about 100 students. Right, so for the 100 of you, you're all different. Like my, if you don't want to go to college, if, if, if you want to figure out what to do, all of you are different. Some of you can sing, some of you are, are, are are math based and you could be analytical. There's a million things you could do. Obviously it's crazy that we got you on this show because of Mission U so you gotta go check that out. There's a million things that I could tell you. Here's the one thing I can promise you. You need to work your fucking face off and nobody gives a shit about where you grew up. Like, like this, no, like nobody's gonna feel sorry for you circumstantially or feel positive for you. Like whether you're born in the ghetto or you're born to a trust fund 
at the end of the day, once you hit the real world, nobody cares because then the clock's on. If you're a trust fund baby, people are judging you like you suck, it's all because you're daddy. If you're fucking from the ghetto, it's like you have no shot, you don't look the part. Either way, nobody cares. The end, the only thing that you should be figuring out is what are you good at and so you should try a lot of shit, mm-hmm. right? And then you need to work every minute. Like, like if you're not gonna go to college, you're gonna have to work, right? Like if, if you're not gonna use the brand of the degree and before Mission you means something to the whole world, you're gonna have to work and prove it and nobody's gonna feel bad that you're working two jobs or that you're not, you don't have no time to hang out anymore. See, you know this, look, these kids, they're young. When you're young, I was, we're all, we've all been young. The biggest thing that's going on is it's all the same advice over and over. You have to work your brains out and you have to realize nobody cares about you. And once you go into that place and you're super solo, then you have a prayer. But for any second that you think somebody's gonna save you, Bernie Sanders, Donald Trump, the government, your sister, the people that feel bad for you, like nobody gives a fuck. Do they understand yeah. that, Siege? I'm asking you, I'm asking you. You know, so I, I hear you. And so that, I, unfortunately, I think that that only comes, that understanding comes with doing, right? With like- It's the Mike Tyson thing, right? House, and as soon as you get actually yeah, punched yeah, in the so mouth, like, then you're like, oh. Exactly, and so a lot of my guys have been, have been literally punched in the mouth many times in their lives, and so it's about like helping them to see that there's, that there's kind of more to themselves or that there's, they have more to offer than, um, you know, they've kind of been beaten down already and some guys seem a little bit, uh, you know, like they have, they lack, is it, is what, it's just, do they have the chip on their shoulder that somebody owes them something because it was fucked up or do they have no self-esteem because everybody told them they can't win? You know, it's a, it's a both That's thing. exactly and right. So when we're talking about boys, so it's an all boys school where, you know, 90% of my guys don't have a dad at home, which, yep. makes, which literally it makes my job easier because, you know, you're a guy that shows up every day and tells kids that you love them and that you see them and that they're not invisible. Um, but it's me doing that with, my, with my, my crew at school over and over and over again. And so for like the, you know, uh, Akil Danzler's and the Elijah Goodwins and the, you know, Mark Slaughter's like, and I'm so I'm shouting them out because they're going to go, oh shit, Reynolds, you just said my name on the internet. Um, <laughs> so, hey so, Reynolds, can I ask you a question? If I paid for the bus, like I know schools are fucked up, so they can't take advantage. But if I paid for the bus, can you bring like eight or nine of them up here and hang with me for an hour? I'll go. I will be up there this afternoon if you pay for the bus. That's what I'm. Cool. What I'm do. So cool. So, Send an email to Gary at VaynerMedia. I'm gonna pay for the bus. You're gonna come up here. We're gonna film it. Cause then I'll get into real deal. I don't want to be the guy who's just shouting to a hundred people without context. Let's take eight or nine of them, do some fucking contest. Reynolds, do whatever the fuck you've got to do to get pick eight or nine of them. Bring them up here. We'll jam with them. We'll film that, and then you can use it because they look the part of the other ninety and the hundred next year and the hundred next year. And 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 I knew the answer to your to my question was both, right? Here's the problem, and this is for everybody. This is not just inner city kids. This is for everybody. Johnny, Texas, you know, Rick, Oklahoma, and Pam, Peru. The the bottom line is, it's one of the two opposite things. Either you have a chip on your shoulder and you think the world fucked you and you're unlucky, 
or you've actually been suppressed and told you can't, right? In a different way than that. Yep. It's, yep. Not the, it's not the circumstance, it's the verbiage. You actually have parents, they just suck. Right, they just, they're in pain, so they don't want you to succeed. Misery loves company. It all ends up in the same place, Reynolds, which is, it doesn't matter. And that's what I want these kids to understand. It just doesn't matter. Because once you get on the field, it's just the field. And so the quicker you can make that mind shift, and then the other thing that none of us realize is how much time you have. Yeah. Like if I knew as an 18 year old, I did and that's why I won, but I didn't even know to the extreme. The biggest thing I'm gonna do with those eight or nine kids, Reynolds, is I'm gonna make them understand they just have to put their head down for 15 years. And think about when you're 18, what 15 years sounds like, right? It's forever, well it's nothing to us as we get older. When you're 18, dude I'll be honest with you, 15 years feels even a little bit long to me right now and I'm 41. When you're 18, 15 years is your whole fucking life. When you tell them, eat shit for 15 years, you'll be 33, a child, Mm -hmm. and you can then go win, that fucks with you if I can break through and get them to understand. Yeah. I mean, the the, the only other thing, this is that, the only thing I'll I'll add in, and I I think, one, I mean, it's amazing that Gary's gonna bring these kids up here, and I will absolutely be watching that session that you have with them, but the thing that I've seen is, and this is the one thing that, as a teacher, I think you can most instill in kids, is that you become your expectations. And people find their expectations, sometimes externally, sometimes internally, sometimes it's a parent or a coach or a teacher or a mentor that helps you understand your self-expectation. Other people are just intrinsically born with this belief that they're gonna go do something great, but you become your expectations. And so every one of those kids, regardless of their situation today, if they can redefine the expectation for their future, then that creates the underlying motivation to bust ass for the next 15 years. But if they don't have the expectation of the outcome in the future and they don't hold themselves accountable to it, then they won't get to that place. If they understood the man that's holding them down is in their fucking dome, everything would change. True, yes, I love it. So, hey listen, can I shout one thing out real quick? Yep. So if people want to check out my guys, I I have a YouTube site called Go Rap With The Go. which is, um, I, I post teacher videos, like how people that teach in the inner city should stop going there for two years to like, do their good deed and then move on, but they should like go there and stay and this is how you can stay and like how you can just keep crushing it every year, year after year, um, no matter what the kids bring in with them, that you're like helping them and loving them and- What's the name of the video series again? What's the name again? It's called, Re- it's called Real Rap with the Reynolds. Real so Rap be- with the Reynolds. Yep. Good, we'll, we'll, we'll put yep. it here. Reynolds, I can't wait to fucking see you. You better get your ass here soon. The season's it's almost over. The best, man. I'll see you I'll soon. You up, yeah. I'll see you next week. You so Let's much, figure it yeah. out. See ya. I think that's a good one. Nah, I think that's good. That was fucking awesome. That was great. He hit on all the right things, right? The cliche, like I'm a yeah. good person, two years yeah. kind of thing. Uh, Adam, how do you want to close this out here? And then you get to ask a question of the day. I get to ask a question. Mm-hmm. To, to you? Or to... No, to the world, AKA a couple thousand people. Yeah. Um, I want to hear, um, what your hope is for your children's higher education. I'll answer mine real quick and then you guys can all answer yours. And I know a lot of you are young and far away from children. Many others have children and I'd love to see the answers. Mine is very simple, which is I just want my kids to be happy. Like, you know, I, first of all, I'm unique because I made it without higher education. So I have no expectations or wants or needs. I want them to do what they want to do. 
AKA in reverse too. If Xander wants to be the greatest scholar of all time mm-hmm. with no practical execution, right. the thing that I would make fun of, mm-hmm. then I want him to be the greatest fucking pontificator and theorist mm-hmm. ever as long as that is what he wants to be about. Mm-hmm. So from my standpoint, that's what I want out of it. I also recognize there's seven and four, mm-hmm. 11, 14 years from today with things like what you're up to, yeah. the way technology's working and the way the ecosystem's playing out. This is why I'm so upset for all the parents I have on the Upper East Side of town school and all these things is they don't realize these all, you know, Horace Mann and, right. and, and avenues, they don't realize the, the buzzsaw that they're walking into. They think their kids need to go to chess and they need to be six year olds that are prepping for SATs and I'm like, what the fuck world do you think little fucking Johnny, excuse me, not Johnny, little fucking Hudson is gonna be you know, living in. Anyway, that's what I, that's my answer. I like. Um, I love you, brother. I love you too, man. Adam Braun, you keep asking questions. We'll keep answering them. Guys, thanks for listening to the audio experience. Two things: one, make sure you're watching my vlog on YouTube, and two, hit me up on the DM. It's going down on DM.